Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Cara. Hello, Vanessa. We got a wonderful question from a dad of five kids. And I'm going to share a little piece of it here because there's a lot of wonderful topics in his email, but we're going to hone in on one specific topic for today's episode. Yeah, it was really actually a good essay is what it was. Yeah, it was. I wish we could... (laughs) Maybe we can do a book of essays based on the emails that parents send us because they're so beautiful and heartfelt and they resonate so deeply. So maybe one day we'll do that. Okay. So I'm just going to read the first line of his question. How do you strike a balance with listening to your preteens, trusting them? And he also adds later on, and getting them to do all the stuff that you need them to do, but aren't sure they're actually going to do, like get off their devices and finish their homework and brush their teeth. So how do you balance all of that with making time and supporting your other kids, your younger kids who may not demand your attention in the same way or the stakes of when they need you may not be as high? Right. Or, or maybe asked another way, in the game of child whack-a-mole, when something is going south with one, is it okay to turn your attention 
away from the others? You know, how do you focus on the one who has the greatest needs and not not focus on the others who still have needs? So I'm going to use some medical language here because I am not the medical professional on this podcast. But we talked recently with, I think it was Kelly Fraden about the concept of triage and figuring out how to prioritize the needs in a family. And in that episode, it was about dealing with kids with health challenges, but it's actually applicable to a whole variety of aspects of caring for kids, caring for kids in homes where there are multiple kids or for educators. This comes up, you know, on a minute to minute basis. And essentially adults need to assess who has the greatest need, whose safety, emotional or physical safety is most at risk. And how do you handle that while also making sure other people are fed and watered? I think it's a little more complicated than that because I think what we've all experienced, those who have more than one child demanding attention in their life, and I will say to parents or caretakers of only children, you may have more than one child demanding attention in your life because your child may have a best friend or a confidant or someone in their life who falls under your umbrella of care. So this is not sort of a numerical, how many kids you have determines the degree of chaos in your life. But if you've got more than one kid who depends upon you as the rock, Vanessa, I think that you can actually find yourself as the adult in the situation in a place where as you turn your attention to the one with the greatest needs, the fact that you're turning your attention away from the one with lesser needs can create needs. Sometimes, right? Sometimes it's that you're focused so much on the one who needs you urgently that something is going on with the other or others and you're just missing it. Sometimes it's that the other or others really want your attention and your focus and they will do things in order to get you to pay attention to them. So there's this thing that can happen. And you're right, the word triage is the right word, right? Because you have to constantly reprioritize what's most important and critical. But we've all experienced a moment where we're putting out one fire over here and someone else is lighting another fire over there because they want us. Yeah, I mean, so one thing to remember with kids is, and psychologists will say this, Kids will take any attention, good attention, bad attention. Yeah, so have you, you ever met a two-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> have you ever met? I, you know what's so funny is I found three-year-olds much more difficult oh, yeah. than I two-year-olds. Mean, have we talked about this? There's no such thing as the terrible twos and there's no such thing as the effing fours. I know you'll say the whole <laughs> word, but it's three. Not anymore. I'm reformed. Um, three, three, I found hard. three to be the hardest. Yeah. So any attention is good attention in their minds, right? If, right. if they need you, they're going to do whatever they can to get your attention. And that's not just true of toddlers. That's also true of tweens and teens and young adults. And sometimes me. I mean, I've been known <laughs> and I've been known to have bad behavior when and, I'm like, hello over here, right? And romantic partners 100%. and um, spouses. So if you are dealing with one kid and you start to see some attention demanding behavior from another kid, whatever version that is, 
even if the behavior is really irritating and infuriating, the best thing to do if possible is to clock, hey, this kid is acting out because I'm spending all this time over here with another kid. I need to give them some positive reinforcement before they start to ask for attention in negative ways. So if you're seeing that, that's something to keep in mind. So to our listener question, if you're busy with the tweens and preteens and you're dealing with that and another one of your younger kids is giving you a hard time, that's really important information. However, not every kid is going to give you a hard time. Not every kid who needs your attention is going to demand your attention. Sometimes kids will actually disappear more or try to please instead of demanding your attention because they're getting information. Oh, there's stuff going on and mom or dad is angry or pissed off or this teacher is really struggling. So I'm going to be really, really good so that I don't add to their burden. Vanessa, you are describing my entire childhood. I am the third of four, three in three years, and then a fourth nine years later. That's a different story. But my two older brothers found trouble wherever it was. I love my two older brothers. They're wonderful. But they found trouble wherever it was. And I watched and I watched and I watched and I did not do the thing where I tried to get negative attention because my temperament was such that I was exactly what you just described. I tried to compensate by pleasing. By the way, you're making a sad face and that's right because that's not necessarily a great strategy in life. We could do a different now what about that? But it's very important to sort of just take a step back and realize there are different strategies for different kids. And if you notice a kid, I know this is going to sound bizarre, but we've been doing this long enough and we have enough life experience and enough parenting experience. So I'm going to say this. If you notice a kid who is always pleasing, who is always doing what is asked, who is never pushing back, who is the only one kind of, you know, meeting every expectation in perfect form, that's not great. Actually, it makes your life easier as a parent and as a and caregiver. And it's a success strategy for them in the short run. It's Let's a survival strategy for mm-hmm. them in the short run. Well, no, I would call it a success strategy. I would say schools reinforce it yeah. and oh, reward yeah. it. Right? No, no, it's, like, re- it's rewarded. It's reinforced. But it's natural for kids to push back and to tingly. test and all of those things. And if you don't do those things... Yep. Eventually, you kind of need to do those things. And so better to do it at home when it's safe and, you know, all of that than when the stakes are much higher. And so with all that said, in the scenario that was presented to us, which is, you know, what do I do when I have this gaggle of kids, even more kids than Vanessa has? <laughs> and something is demanding my attention with one, maybe going off the rails, maybe just slightly going off the rails. What's the role with the others? And, you know, Vanessa, I'm going to draw from my experience watching families who manage one child with chronic illness in the context of having many other children living under the roof. Those families have taught me so much 
the families, the social workers who work with those families, the therapists who work with those families. What I have learned over the years is that it is as important to constantly scan the road and go to the kid who doesn't seem to have the need, the active need, and let them know, I'm here, I'm available, your rules are still in place, I still love you, I've still got eyes on you, I'm just going to focus over here for a minute because this is what is urgent, but I'm here. I've taken care of so many families that have dealt with issues like cancer in a young child, where one of the family members is away in the hospital getting a chronic treatment. It's a long path that absolutely demands that one parent or both parents be gone for a long period of time. And it's the kids who are quote unquote healthy who will say, and they're really articulate about it. They will say, I had gratitude. I learned to not take for granted my health, but learned to appreciate what I had. I understood the road was harder for my sibling, but these were my needs. And either I wish I had been able to articulate them, or I had a great set of support people in place who helped me articulate my needs. Mm -hmm. So if we take that example and we now extrapolate it to everyone, because it's an extreme example of what happens day to day in most households, I think it's a great teachable moment. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I try to be conscious of in my own home is if I am spending a lot of time, sometimes it's good time. Sometimes it's not you know, oh my God, can you please finish your homework? It's 1030, but it's like going to that particular kid's sporting event or, you know, taking them to social events or, you know, just spending a lot of time with a particular kid. I've now done this long enough where I can look at a kid who's kind of getting left at home a lot or dragged along a lot and say, you know what? I'm realizing we haven't done anything together like Mm -hmm. just the two of us. Let's find some time. And that was advice given to me many, many years ago by another mother of four whose kids were much older. Her youngest child was the age of my oldest child. And she said, it doesn't have to be anything exciting. It can be a half an hour at the diner. It can be going to get ice cream, just the two of you. It can be walking the dog with no one else. She said, it doesn't have to be a whole song and dance, a big parade. It's just outwardly, verbally recognizing to a kid, you know what? I haven't given you enough attention and let's plan something. Let's do something. And I did this a couple of weeks ago with my youngest. And when I tell you, I turned to him and I said, hey, we haven't had one of our dinners in a while, just the two of us. What do you think? His whole face lit up. His whole body language changed. And it was 30 minutes at a little diner. That was it. We didn't go to, you know, some fancy French restaurant. The other thing that you can do is get out of your comfort zone a little bit and meet the kid who doesn't have the needs in theirs. So here's an example. I'm an early to bed, early to rise person as you know, Vanessa. I think it's actually gotten earlier too. I think you've been waking up earlier recently. Well, 
That's because the sun comes up earlier these days. You know, I'm very, I, I rise with okay, the sun. Okay, farm girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I am married to someone on my same clock and we have two children, one of whom is on our clock and one of whom is not. And the one who is not has been at college all year and is now home. And we are all going to bed at nine o'clock. Like nine's a late night in my house. And she's like, and, where is everybody? You know, she's twiddling her thumbs like, hi, hi, I'm here. I'm back. You want quality time with me? I'm back. And what dawned on me the other day, she, she's not asking, right? But gosh, if I could get out of my comfort zone and stay up mm -hmm. and hang with her for an extra hour, that's all it takes. And yes, I'm very cranky and tired the next morning, but it's worth everything, right? Yeah. Those little, so it doesn't have to be a big show. Do you or someone you love have smelly feet? Well, this is for you. We made magical socks. We did. The magic is zinc. With zinc around, bacteria cannot grow. And if bacteria cannot grow, well, then there are no bacteria to eat the sweat. And if there's no bacteria to eat the sweat, then there's no off-gassing. And if there's no off-gassing, then there's no smell. That's how umsocks work. Check out the link in our show notes or go to myumla.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added Magnesium Breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. <laughs> and it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Vanessa. We literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. 
we throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Let's kind of go back to this question for a second. I have a thought on what you can do with the older kids. Yes. Face with the younger kids. Is that where you were? That's where where I was going. going. Okay. Okay, go. So... The tween and teen years are the time we are handing off responsibility to older kids. And we are essentially training them as Tori Cordiano has talked about on the podcast, as Kelly Freyden has talked about on the podcast. We are giving them training wheels, having them ride their bike, taking the training wheels off, having them ride faster, longer, stronger. But it's a process. And their brain development is at a place where we can't just hand over a bike and say, go ride your bike 20 miles. It's a long journey. Sometimes I think some of us keep the training wheels on too long. Sometimes I think some of us put them on a bike before they're ready to ride and everything in between. But if you are spending a lot of time dealing with your older kids, missing out on chances with your younger kids, there are responsibilities. There is scaffolding we can create for older kids. So we're not sitting with them while they write the paper due the next day. We are creating expectations, calendar structures so that we're checking in with them and still able to go play baseball outside with our younger kids. So I think part of it is figuring out what are the steps we need to give older kids so that they ultimately will be independent and are held accountable. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is there's a version of the answer when things are going well. And there's a version of the answer when something's going off the rails. When things are going well and everyone is kind of in status quo mode, figuring out how to divide yourself slightly differently so that you can breed independence in the older kids, meet needs in the younger kids, and even let the older kids take some of the responsibility with the younger kids, which we all know is far more impactful than anything you and I do, right? I mean, a younger sibling worships usually, not always, but usually the older sibling and, you know, an older sibling who says, oh my God, reading chapter books is so cool, gets a kid reading faster than anything else you can do. And right, you could take that answer in 20 different directions. So when all is going well, figure out how to divide yourself, your personal pie a little bit differently and test it. And I promise, just like when the kids were little, like really little, 
once you get into a good groove, everything will change and you'll have to reinvent yes. it again. Right? right. So like nothing is fixed here. Right. But when things are going south, regardless of which kid in your life is struggling, I think our bottom line advice is boiling down to don't forget about the other kids, which is hard because the saying you're only as happy as your least happy kid is the most true statement yeah. of parenting and raising kids. But that said, your more happy kids still need you. And so however you are able to take stock of a situation, give the one who needs more attention the attention they need and identify what the others need. If you can't do it, if you've got a kid in the hospital and you physically can't be there for another kid, identify the person who can come in and be the you. Find the family member, the family best friend, whoever it is, the surrogate for you. We've talked about that person in terms of a person your kid can go to for tricky conversations when they can't come to you. That same person is likely the person that you're going to call on to be your backup. Let someone be your backup. Just, just the question alone is fantastic because it suggests a level of self-awareness. Every kid has needs and every adult in the equation has needs too. And so I really commend this dad for recognizing that it's not just what do I do for my kid who's struggling, but it's also what do I do for my kids who are not. And one thing that I mess up with a lot is when one of my kids is making me feel overwhelmed or stressed out, I sometimes take it out on my other kids. I'm impatient with them. I am short with them. I am unkind to them sometimes. Sometimes, Vanessa, it happens even when it's a kid not under your own roof, if they're stressing you out with their behavior. Like we've had family friends who do something and it stresses me out so much and I'll sit down with my kids. You know, <laughs> Don't you ever do this because look at the situation they're in. Like it right. doesn't even have to be a kid under your own roof. And so I just want to say to people, it's normal if you do that. It's human. We're all only human. We're trying to do our best. But if you notice yourself kind of crapping on another kid because of the behavior of a different kid, recognize it, own it, apologize, take the do-over. And you can just say, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm feeling stressed about something else and I'm taking it out on you. I'm really sorry. Because what you don't want to do is create a scenario where you're blaming one of your kids to another one of your kids so that it creates a dynamic where the kid who's behaving is like, well, what, what did I what's do? going on? What did I do? Like, right. it's his fault. It's her fault. Why are you dumping on me? And nine times out of 10, when you say, I'm so sorry, it's nothing you did, that kid turns to you and goes, oh, I know. Yes. I know exactly what it like. Right? They, they do know, eyes. but they yeah. still deserve the apology. They still deserve the recognition. And it also relieves some of our guilt and shame that we're kind of losing it with one kid because for whatever reason, we can't lose it with the other kid. You got it. So I think if we could each do a takeaway from this, because we covered actually a ton of ground in a really quick episode based on this awesome question. And I would say my biggest takeaway is 
find small moments to have time with not all of your kids together, but like one of your kids, give them the recognition and the sort of positive reinforcement. Sometimes they're asking for it in good ways or bad ways. And sometimes they're not asking for it, but it's our job as adults to recognize when a kid needs a little extra TLC. And my takeaway is everyone's got a game of whack-a-mole. Sometimes that game just involves the children in their life. Sometimes that game involves a whole bunch of other players and having self-awareness about it, recognizing which other people are pulling you in different directions and acknowledging that in the equation as well can be really helpful to the people who you live with and who love you and care about you. So this was a wonderful question. We hope if this has stirred anything that you'll email us, DM us, share your thoughts. As you all know, we love your questions. We love your insights. So don't be shy. And good luck with the game of whack-a-mole. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the Puberty Podcast and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster, go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to buy .com. Yet. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.